Hey, episode one of the Nomadic Otter Eclecticast, you've made it. Every episode is going to start with a song, so hit it. by me all the music all the art everything except for the philosophy clips that i'm going to play in this uh are mine and uh came from my noggin my brain that song is actually uh, about uh an acid trip that i had where i uh, i took three hits of acid lsd at a airport in the lax security line and two hours later when i boarded my plane i began tripping and i had one of the coolest psychedelic trips I've ever had at 37,000 feet. In the middle of the night turned into morning, so I saw the sun rise up, and it was just beautiful. So, yeah, I recorded that in 2016 in a garage with an iPhone. Pretty freaking cool. Uh, it was my first recording ever that I did at home, and I literally had no lyrics, no nothing planned out. I just made it right there on the spot, and then I ablibbed that and who would have known that it would have ended up being perfect for exactly what i'm doing welcome to the eclectic cast i'm Raphael, or as uh, some people in my life had called me otter and that's why it's the nomadic otter because i'm from brazil lived in texas for 11 years and then i moved out to california in 2008 so i'm from all over but they called me otter because uh, they said that i reminded them of an otter floating downstream and cracking open shells and eating out of them and uh so it just kind of stuck and I, I really like that it's unique uh i typed in the nomadic otter on so many different sites and nothing came up so hopefully that is helpful to my endeavor of broadcasting this uh eclectic if you don't know what that means its definition is deriving ideas or taste from a broad diverse range of sources but its origin is denoting or belonging to a class of ancient philosophers who did not belong to or found any recognition uh, of school of thoughts, but selected various doctrines from more than one of them and applied it to their lives. So they weren't strictly, you know, this philosophical thought kind of guy or that philosophical. They were like, hey, we just want to, you know, broaden everything. So that's what the term eclectic came from what it means and that's why i wanted to call this the eclectic cast you know it's an eclectic podcast there's going to be music there's going to be clips there's going to be quotes there's going to be stories there's going to be observations and i just really want to dig into whatever happens man and just writing a stream of consciousness and seeing what comes out that's what 
art is. And I really have been fond of podcasting. I am, I'm a comedian and I have a com com comedic podcast where uh, me and a co-host, my good friend RJ Signs, we sit down and we, we talk about art and comedy and drink with our guests. It's an interview based, you know, podcast. So I spent a lot of time trying to focus primarily on the guests. I mean, of course, there's always stories and, you know, context which shows that we can relate on the subject we're talking, of course, but it's mostly focused on them. And that's where I want to keep it. So I wanted to do my own thing where I can be artistically expressive and be able to just have an outlet where I can just speak my mind. So I'm super excited. I think this is going to be really fun and I'm glad you guys are here with me. So let's get into it, right? Um, and the importance of words, like eclectic, it's such a specific word. Uh, a coworker of mine came over to my house and he took a look around and he saw the stuff on the walls and all my books and whatever, and he just told me I had an eclectic taste. I never really, I mean, I'd heard it, but I didn't really know what it means, so I looked it up and I, I read the definition. I was like, oh, I fucking love this word. And certain words like, like uh, sincere, for instance, sincere is such a great word. But instead of using that commonly, we use serious, which has such a negative connotation to it. Because serious implies risk. It, it, it implies something that uh, absolutely has to be focused on because you might lose something. Uh, where sincere is more of a, it's, there's no, there's no hypocrisy in sincere. There's no, you get what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure you get what I'm saying. Sincere is just a better word. Instead of saying seriously, I always like to say sincerely trying to do that more often because words are important and it's using powerful words can change everything it has for me uh, so the that the music like i said is it's all recorded by me uh i i started this solo project after my band broke up called the nomadic otter and it just never went anywhere and i was kind of bummed because you know i loved music and i had a really tight relationship i've been singing and playing music since i was nine years old until i was 21 so after that ended and my solo career didn't really go anywhere with it i was so distraught and uh, i actually started being so frustrated with music as an industry and, and and creating it that it was ruining my love for it so i had to walk away to preserve that relationship and, you know, find myself again and pursue something different. I'd always loved stand-up comedy, but I never thought it was practical to get into. Like, how do you get up on that stage? How do you end up there? I had no idea how it all began. And I remember being in eighth grade and hanging out with my friends every Friday night. We'd watch Friday Night Stand-Up and see guys like Brian Regan, The Amazing Jonathan, Mitch Hedberg, you know, uh, Mark Marin, And that's like pretty much the foundation of, I'd always wanted to do it, but I never knew how, and I chose music over that because I thought it was the more practical route, and I had to go super far in to realize that uh, it wasn't for, for me, ultimately, and that my love for it is, is just a hobby. So with this podcast, I want to include my complete artistic expression, so I'm going to include music and stuff that just makes me who I am, and uh, it's not for everybody. I really don't care who's tuning into this. Um, I mean, I care who you are. But I'm not doing it because I want people necessarily to blow this shit up and make it popular. I'm simply doing it because I want to do it. There absolutely needs no justification to it whatsoever. So I'm not going to justify it. I'm not going to give explanations or... Well, I am going to give explanations. But I'm not going to give reasons in a way of defending what I'm doing. Uh, I'm just doing it to do it for the sense of play. And I, and I enjoy what it what I'm doing. So that's why I'm doing it. 
If you're listening, that's awesome. I'm pretty sure the only people that are going to end up listening to this podcast are people that know me and find it interesting or entertaining or weird, nerdy people that are into the same mental stimulation as I am. And if that's you and you don't know who I am and you're tuning in, well, thank you, man. Thank you for, or woman, thank you, person, for tuning in. Uh, I really do appreciate it. It's cool to be able to share. Um, I like to quote Terrence McKinney here and say that uh, he said, we psychonauts are all going to go into the books as pioneers because it's too early for us to be anything else. There's no map. There's no finished database. Just anecdotes of the crazy, crazy stuff that goes on, and that's why it's so important to share our story, and that's why comedy makes sense for me. That's why now that's pretty much all I focus on is trying to tell that story and to share it with people and to entertain, but to also... I don't know, give them insight that we're not all supposed to be this perfect, normal people. Like, we all make mistakes, and we're all different and unique in certain ways, and that's that's what makes it cool to share with other people and to hear other people share with us, and we learn so much from that. I've always learned from stories, and I think the only thing that I have of value really is stories. That's all I really have to share or to give. And when I die, it's going to be the only thing left is my story. And that's more important to me than material possessions or anything else. That's why I have the same wardrobe. I'm a minimalist. I have two pairs of pants, three or four shirts, two sweatshirts, two jackets, two pairs of socks, two pairs of underwear, two pairs of shoes. You know, I, it's very simple because people know what I dress like. They, they've seen it all. And it keeps them focused on my words and instead of what's the flashy thing on my body, you're distracted by a brand or whatever, especially when those brands don't give a fuck about me as a person. I mean, they're just trying to get their money. I mean, I'll support like a band or, you know, someone's creative project that I know or something, and I'll support their shit all the way, but Polo and Supreme, like, they don't give a fuck. And you're just walking advertisement for them. So that's something I learned from my grandpa where he, he's never liked shirts with any marks on them or any kind of signification that it comes from a specific place. And that's because he wants people to focus on the other aspects of him and not his clothes. And that made sense. John Lennon did a protest with Yoko Ono when he was trying to fight for peace in the 70s. Um, that ultimately led him to getting shot. But yeah, <laughs> he covered himself in a, in a sheet. Him and Yoko were underneath like a, a, a very dark white sheet. So when the press came in, they couldn't see him. And they, all they could ask is like, why are you under there? What, what are you trying to hide? And he was like, we're not trying to hide. It's just we want you to focus on the message and not what we look like. Like, Because, you know, he'd become a hippie. So was, he's bearded and he has long hair and he looks all weird and shit. But that's cool, man. That was a really, really cool way of doing it and very smart. And I've always responded to that. All right, as you're going to notice, I'm going to be sprinkling in stuff throughout the entire podcast, in and out, so don't be surprised. Here's your first one. Will you please stand up and put your hands on your hips with wrists upwards? Now, let's all just laugh.
That's something he called laugh yoga, which I never understood until I heard that. And then I was like, that's fucking brilliant, almost. I was once at this uh, consciousness gathering in L.A., if you, if you can even call it that. And um, it's probably 150 people, and this one guy, uh, I, I couldn't believe it, but I saw this sign that said laugh yoga at 2 o'clock. So I went over there and met where they were supposed to do that. And he literally just goes, all right, on the count of three, one, two, three. And he just started laughing like that. And 150 people started doing it with him. And then by the end, they were all fucking laughing. If you don't believe me, you can go on my Instagram at beefstroganroff, all one word, on Instagram. You can go down, scroll through my feed. You'll find the video of it. It's there. An identification of ourselves with our idea of ourselves. Or I would rather say, with our image of ourselves. And that's the person, or the ego. You play a role. You identify with that role. I play a role. It's called Alan Watts. And I know very well that that's a big act. <clears throat> I can play some other roles besides Alan Watts, if necessary. But I find that this one is better for making a living. <laughs> but I assure you, it's a mask, and I don't take it seriously. <laughs> you know, the idea of my being a kind of messiah or guru or savior of the world just breaks me up. Because <laughs> I know me. <laughs> so I, you know, it's very difficult to be holy. Alan Watts is definitely my favorite. He's the one that kind of put philosophy on the map for me because he wasn't just a philosopher. He wasn't just wise, but he was an entertainer, and he always considered himself to be a philosophical entertainer. And he was almost a comedian of sorts, but he he practiced that on such a gnarly intellectual level where I, I'm not sure if I could ever have that mental capacity. But he showed me that being really smart could also be very funny, and as long as you're funny, it registers with people. There's really a huge epiphany moments when he says the funny thing. He'll, he'll set it up with the actual academic part, and then he'll follow it with 
a funny analogy, and then it really, really registers. So that's why philosophy, if you're wondering why the fuck I'm choosing to do a philosophy podcast, because that stuff is always, I mean, wow, like that clip, like I, I love just the simplicity and how, how just precise his wording and his spacing is. It's, it really, really gets to me, and I, like, I love that stuff. I really do. Very, very smug and demure, like they were in church. And you see also the, the multitudes of the saved. Instead of this writhing, wormy thing, you can see all their heads, which the artist has drawn to abbreviate them, just the tops of their heads in masses. They look like cobblestone street. Flattened out. I remember in school, I sat next to a boy who had great difficulty in learning to read. And what they always say to children is, try. If you can't do something, you must try. So the boy tries. And what he does, when he's trying to get out words, he grunts and groans as if he were lifting weights. And the teacher's impressed. The boy is really trying. Gives it B for effort. <laughs> All he's doing is... <laughs> has nothing to do with it. Now, we all make this muscular straining with the thought that it's achieving psychological results. The sort of psychological results it's intended to achieve. Now, all this amounts to is it's like you're taking off in a jet plane. You've got a, a mile down the runway and the thing isn't up in the air yet. You get nervous. So you start pulling at your seatbelt. That's what it is. I, uh, I always think about this one thing, too, as far as music. Like, like Jim Morrison said that back in the day, like it was 1968, he did this TV interview where he said that one day in the future there will be one guy on stage and he'll be able to do all the things that it once took a band to do. And for that reason, I always detested, <laughs> you know, EDM music or techno or whatever because I didn't understand it and I couldn't do it. And it pissed me off because I also thought at that time that it was dumbing down our society, that it had no real message or, or purpose or meaning. It, and it was just a bunch of stupid build-ups and drops. And and then I, uh, I went on this hitchhiking trip to Santa, San Francisco from Santa Barbara. I just, I'd always wanted to hitchhike, and I was at a buddy's house in Santa Barbara on vacation, and I, we were talking about it. You're drunk, and... He was like, dude, you could definitely do it. So I looked it up on Google Maps because there's a walk feature, and I hit the walk thing, and it said it would only take four days of walking to get to San Francisco. So I thought I could do four days, and I was a fucking idiot because it took me three and a half weeks to actually get there, and I had to get rides. I, I ended up roading for a band. I, I stayed on a farm and worked for days planting seeds for their next harvest. That way I could get a ride into San Francisco, and once I did... I was practically homeless. It was the hitchhiker's guide to being homeless. And when I got there, it was it was difficult because someone had just been murdered in Golden Gate Park, and that was the only place to sleep. So every night the cops were coming through and searching for people and whatnot. But anyway, before I got to San Francisco, I was at this underpass bar. It was like this little bar underneath an overpass, and I went in there and got a beer and I was sitting there with my you know big pickle bag full of clothes and my guitar and this big guy that looked like God came in and he looked like 
God is a bad word. He looked like Zeus, like or the interpretation of Zeus. Just long, white, curly hair, big, white beard. And I don't know, we just got to chat, and he's like, what's with the bag and shit? And I was like, well, I'm hitchhiking to San Francisco. I've always wanted to go. I've never been there, and I, I just need an adventure. So here I am. And he liked that so much that he was like, hey, man, do you want to come back to my place and do some acid? You can wash your clothes, sleep, you know, not sleep, but stay indoors tonight. And I said, that sounds great. So I got into this stranger's car and I went to this stranger's house. We go in and he's like, the laundry room's that way. So I go put my laundry in and I come back out to the kitchen where he was. And he just puts in my hand three gel tabs of acid. And I was like, well, let's do it. So immediately we both ingested it, and he put on a 13-hour-long mix of a house song that one of his buddies made or whatever, and that was the first time I really understood that what they had done is simplified the message but put it over a more complex pattern for individuals to be able to be on a stage and sharing this in this way, but also to be behind a computer like I am now and to create this music out of their head these patterns these crazy intricate patterns these build-ups these drops and then tie it with a simple voice that repeats itself like oh, what is love you know or whatever and it's as simple as that it's, it's it's about love and here's the emotions that the artist is trying to portray with the sounds and the vibrations and you know the feeling that you get as a listener when you hear it which is crazy. And now I have this newfound appreciation for it. I'm not a big fan of dubstep. I'm not a big fan of most electronic music. But deep house music with, like, vocals, the shit. I love it. My favorite thing to do is to put on, like, Blue Planet or one of those crazy, crazy nature shows. And you put a, a speaker on with house music. And your brain has this weird way of, like, syncing it up. After a little bit, like, the music and the visuals will link up, and that's your, just your head doing it. But maybe it's just because that's how nature is and how everything syncs up at some point and how it's all interconnected and one. And, you know, we're not born into the world. We're, we're, we come out of it. We're, we're a byproduct of it. And if the bang, Big Bang Theory is what it is and if it's true, then we are the same energy as the Big Bang Theory, but just in constant motion. If Einstein said that, you know, energy can never be destroyed once it's created, it can only transform into a different form of energy. And so if we had like a jar of paint and we threw it against a white wall, you'd have a concentrated mass density in the very, very center. And then you'd have all these little splitter splatters going completely 360 around it. And I think planet Earth is just one of those little spots on the farthest outside of space as we could possibly get. And that's pretty far out in the, in the hippie sense, not as like a just, I mean, yes, we are far out, but it's far out as like cool <laughs> as well. Everybody these days is interested in spiritual development. And uh, wisely, because we want to change our consciousness. Many people are well aware that this egocentric consciousness is a hallucination. And that uh, they presume it's the function of religion to change it. Because that's what the Zen Buddhists and yogis and all these people of the Orient are doing. They are changing their state of consciousness to get something called Satori, or mystical experience, or Nirvana, or Moksha, or what have you. And everybody around here is really enthused about that because uh, you don't get that in church. I mean, there have been Christian mystics, but the church has been very quiet about them. 
but the average church, all you get is talk. There's no meditation, no spiritual discipline. They tell God what to do interminably, as if he didn't know. And then they tell the people what to do, as if they could or even wanted to. And then they sing religious nursery rhymes. And then, to, to, to cap it all, the Roman Catholic Church, which did at least have an unintelligible service, which was... Which was, you know, it was real mysterious and suggested vast magic going on. They went and put the thing into bad English. And they took away incense and they took away, they became a bunch of Protestants. And the thing was just terrible. So now all these Catholics are at loose ends. As Claire Booth Luce put it, not to be a pun, but she said, you know, it's no longer possible to practice contemplative prayer at Mass. Because you're being advised, exhorted edified all the time and it becomes a ball so when i was creating music or the last time i was creating music and i was making these songs that you're going to hear throughout the podcast i was going through a really heavy time in my life i was living out of my car i was recording these albums in a garage that of a co-worker that i worked with i worked at greenpeace at the time and my coworker also did, and he would just let me crash sometimes at his house overnight because we had work or whatever, but he would let me come by and record in there pretty much whenever I wanted. Years later, I ended up moving in officially and, and living with them and paying rent and shit, but in the beginning, he was very kind, and he let me stay, and he took care of me in a time where I couldn't take care of myself, and I really appreciate him. Um, but yeah, so that's why this next song that you're about to hear is going to make a lot more sense. Um, it was a very vulnerable time, but it was what I was going to name my autobiography because at the time I wanted to write a book about what I've done so far. And the more I started writing that book, I realized, well, like, I really haven't <laughs> reached a point where, you know, it's just not, it's not time. But I was going to name the book, How Did I Get This Far? And I was on Kill Tony and... Uh, <laughs> Red Band was like, oh, so you've read my autobiography, and then Jeremiah Hawkins was like, yeah, how to be a trash can. So maybe that's a better title. I don't know. Enjoy the tune.
The biggest ego trip going is getting rid of your ego. And the joke of it all is your ego doesn't exist. <laughs> There's nothing to get rid of. It's an illusion, as I tried to explain. But you still want to ask how to stop the illusion. Now, who's asking? I mean, do you think, in the ordinary sense in which you use the word I, how can I stop identifying myself with the wrong me? <laughs> well, the answer is that you can't. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs that I've ever written. And uh, like I was saying before about like how crazy that the music and the technology is what it is, is because like the computer, all this technology that's coming out is no more of an extension of ourselves than the wheel was the extension of the foot. It's the same thing. It's, it, it just, it's uh, not, it's not unnatural. I don't think there's anything unnatural because everything comes from the same basic makeup of life. And we just wield it into different forms and different things. This computer that I'm recording out of right now, I mean, seen as like the coolest thing or the greatest thing we've ever invented, but the body itself is already the coolest thing that's ever been around as far as technology goes because how intense the electricity and the frequency of everything going on in our heads, like... It's instant. That if I stub my toe within a millisecond, it's already letting my brain know through electronic signals that's being sent from the very bottom of my body to the very top of my body. That's crazy. That's way more crazy than a computer or, I don't know, recording gear. But we've been able to harness these tools and this stuff because we felt that it was necessary in order for us to share. And if we are the universe itself experiencing itself, but we've cleverly fooled ourselves that we aren't, then why would we record goddamn everything <laughs> for the sake of recording this right now? Really? Is they're gonna, mm, this guy's gonna fucking leaf blow right now? Goddamn motherfuckers. We'll be back. There's a Zen poem which puts it like this. Talking about it. Me, it means the mystical experience, Satori. The realization that you are the eternal energy of the universe, like Jesus did. It says like this. You cannot catch hold of it, nor can you get rid of it. In not being able to get it, you get it. When you speak, it's silent. When you're silent, it's me. Now, in not being able to get it, you get it. Because this whole feeling, what Krishnamurti is trying to explain to people, for example, when he says, uh, why do you ask for a method? There is no method. All methods are simply um, gimmicks for strengthening your ego. I mean, think about it. You go to sleep every night, right? And you have dreams or whatever. When you wake up in the morning, do you have to press the on button for your brain? No, it's already going, man. Do you have to push the blood throughout your veins? Are you consciously doing that? Are you consciously breathing every time you breathe? Is that not you? It's your body. It's your organism. And an organism is just like the planet Earth. It is just like the universe that we're in. It's all a bigger model of the same thing. There's trillions of cells that compose each and every individual's human body. 
And all those cells need to cooperate and work together in order to keep the organism running. Terminal illnesses, by some philosophers and free thinkers, think that it's where the, the cells realize that there is no God and they have their falling out, you know, and they stop working and then the body ceases to continue to thrive. And the organism thing, it's like planet Earth. Planet Earth, Earth is, a, is an organism. We're all people that compile it and we need to take care of it in order to keep it running. And whoever takes care of, you know, that in outer space to keep everything running, and it's just... That's what it is, man. And so if you look at yourself as part of nature instead of separate from it, because thoughts were the only thing that separated us from nature, is our own, our own thought that we are separate, that we are above it, that we lord over it, but we don't. It's crazy. The spoken word was probably the first technology ever used to advance our species to be able to use words and thoughts to communicate. That was the first tech, and I guess Insta the first Instagram was cave drawings. That's the way to look at it. I don't know if you can compare Instagram to, I don't know, ancient animals. But anyway, that's where my mind went with that fucking shit. Um, so on this like hitchhiking trip, like what I was doing was just trying to practice all this meditation and philosophy that I learned to, to learn to let go and to instead of fight the current of life and the natural stream of things, to, to surrender yourself to it, to let go and to just to go with the stream. And once I did that, just everything started happening for me. I started really figuring stuff out. And I guess it's because of what Alan Watts says is the... The backwards law, which is you only obtain power by giving it away. And by letting go, it comes back to you naturally, effortlessly. If you were swimming upstream, it would get tiring after a while, and eventually you would finally stop swimming upstream. And once you did, you would start to go with the flow. And not only would you gain your strength back, but if you go with the current of the stream, then... You have all the power. You command it. It's, it's effortless, completely effortless. And so now I'm in a continuous state of just trying to remain present and to let go of all the things that I cannot change in that exact moment. And it's been really powerful for me, and that's another reason why philosophy is, is the why I'm doing this. The why is simply because this is the most fun that I have off stage not doing comedy is entertaining these thoughts and like kind of like it's it's mental masturbation pretty much it's just stimulating the mind in different areas for the sake of doing it which is which is masturbation talk about what is it amuses me to talk about what is because it's wonderful i love it and therefore i like to talk if i get paid for it then i make my living and sensible people get paid for doing what they enjoy doing so this is not on a, you see, this is the whole approach here is not to convert you, not to make you over, not to improve you, but for you to discover that if you really knew the way you are, things would be, would be sane. There's nothing, you know, a fool who persists in his folly will become wise. So they, what they do is they speed up the folly. And so you get concentrating. 
and uh, you can have a certain amount of superficial and initial success by a process commonly called self-hypnosis. And you can think you're making progress. And a good teacher will let you go along that way for a while until he really throws you with one. Why are you concentrating? So this is a form of play. I'm just playing around. And I'm doing it because I'd rather put time and invest time into that and devote myself to this so that way one day I could be better at this so I could make a living of just doing this. And that's my whole thing. And that's how I've always felt my entire life is that I had something undescribably important to, to share and it never was really clear. But I've always been pulled in these directions of experience, full, true experience, which is the only thing I feel is worth stressing over is, are you fully experiencing life? That's the only wealth you'll ever give is to be able to be fully present and experience life to its utmost tangibility. Can you dig? <laughs> but anyway, the backwards law is, is what taught me a little bit more about control and that control is not being controlling and everything kind of works out. It's so contradictory, but it, it makes sense if you really think about it. Yeah, I just, I let go. I stopped forcing things. I, I stopped doing things because I, I wanted people to see me as this person. You know, I was, I was vegan and whatever and I drove a Prius, and I just, it was all a front. It was all a front because I wanted people to perceive me as this humble, down-to-earth, grounded individual, but, like, the more I was seeking that enlightenment and the more I was trying to better myself, the more egocentric I got, the worse it got, the more shallow, the, the worse it got, and it ended up leading to my band breaking up and then, two or three months later, you know, my girl, or no, my girlfriend breaking up, and then two or three months later, my band breaking up, and everything falling apart was, I was just pretending to be someone that I wasn't, and I was, I was fooled by my own mask, and so I had to learn to take that shit off. That song that you heard, I was singing to myself, I wasn't singing to anyone else, I'm not trying to preach or to... I was talking to myself because I was the one that needed to hear it. I was the one that needed it the most, I think. And that's why I recorded that album. And the whole time I was looking in a mirror, like when I was doing the recordings, every time I sang the vocals, I was looking in the mirror and I was singing to myself because this was for me. And then I got lost and now I'm back. And I looked at that the other night. I, I, it was like a Facebook memory, like, oh, four years ago. <laughs> you did this, and I was like, oh, shit, I forgot about that. And then I stumbled onto this whole album of songs, and I was like, this is a bummer that this isn't going to go anywhere or do anything. Like, I'm just going to sit here forever in the void. So I just thought, like, oh, man, I'm not using all all of it. I'm not using all the stuff within me to, to really express to the fullest, utmost potential of what artistic expression can be for me. So that's why I decided I gotta I gotta bring this back I gotta I gotta pump some life back into this project, man. I gotta do something with it. I gotta do something with these tracks. And 
I've been listening to a lot of Alan Watts recently because it's always toward the end of the year that I get very, um, I don't know, self-reflective. And I don't like horoscopes or astrology, really. I, I think it's kind of phony. Um, and usually people are like, oh, what's your sign? And I'm like, I'm a Sagittarius, but I don't really believe in that stuff. I don't think that, you know, the stars define who my character is. I'm a victim of circumstance and different situations, and my actions have caused reactions who have developed me into the person that I am today. It's more complicated than just something that you read on fucking Google and determine your whole life based off of. And they go, well... That's exactly what a Sagittarius would say, and I fucking, I hate that shit, so I'm not going to sit here and be like, Ooh. So I also thought, how can I incorporate philosophy, which I, I love so much and is, is so entertaining and stimulating to me, how can I incorporate that into this too? And that's exactly what I was doing with the music at the time, so it's all really copacetic. And then I just thought, well, let's put it all in one thing. And that's why it's eclectic. That's exactly what it is. It's eclectic because it's all a bunch of different things mashed in together, but it it makes sense to me. And maybe it makes sense to you. And if you're at this point of the podcast, uh, maybe it does. Or maybe you just think I'm crazy and you're seeing how long I go until I fucking completely lose my shit, which is okay too because either way, uh, I, it's it's keeping your interest. And if there's absolutely no one talking right now that I'm just having the best time Right now at my house, Just me and my dog chilling, philosophizing, you know, getting deep, like <laughs> being stupid and fun and crazy. This is just how I think, even when I'm at home, even if I'm not recording, this is just all the stuff that goes through my head. And, you know, when I'm watching Blue Planet with the, the house music on in the background, everything's all syncing up and I'm just thinking about, you know, space and all the stuff that I've been through in my life, like, it's just how I am. I've always been a naturally just deep thinker, and deep is a word I use for lack of a better word. I've always been profound, a profound thinker. I, I always got lost in thought. I mean, the doctors said it was ADHD, but I'd like to believe it's IHD, which is intertwined with a higher dimension. <laughs> hey, just, God, that's so dumb. Um, anyway, that could be possible. I don't know. But these these philosophers like Alan Watts, Terrence McKenna, Chris, uh, uh, fuck, Jiddu Krishnamurti. I can't. I always have trouble with his name. And Marshall McLuhan and all these great Timothy Leary, all these great philosophers and free thinkers were the only people really talking about this dimension or like how people are these antennas for ideas and we we pick it up from this this mythical place that we've never seen and is quite out of our reach. It's untouchable. It's unseeable. Just like the soul, we all talk about like, oh, that guy is soulless or, oh, that guy's got soul, you know, but it's not something tangible in the human body. Like our heart doesn't do the computing. It doesn't feel. Well, that's not true. There's heart maths. They did this thing where they hooked somebody up with like a, a heart monitor and uh, they were going to show random photos Either they're really scary or they're really beautiful, and they would do intervals of it. And it's crazy that this all the tests that they did, the heart would start fluctuating with the image coming up before the image came up, and it was always dead on. It knew it was going to be afraid or it knew it was going to be happy. So the heart is intuitive, but I don't think it's driving the ship. Like, it's the co-pilot, but it's not driving the ship. The mind is the one that's doing all the computing and the, the processing and the, 
the taking in what you see backwards and flipping it back. And so, so you see, when, that, when, you, when you look at stuff, man, it's going into your brain and your brain is modifying it and then showing you the image that it has tweaked and it all does it instantly. Does There's no time that it could even measure it, but it does it instantly. And so maybe that's why it is all about perception because we are all bouncing it off our, our, our mind mirrors and out into our eyes and that's what we perceive as the reality or truth or I believe it because I saw what it. What is you now? Anyway, enough of me ranting on. Uh, I am going to do segments in this podcast, and the first one is going to be called This Week. Uh, this week I am applying for my citizenship because um, my mom said that she would front me the $800 for the application fee. So that's been interesting. And <laughs> what uh, what's new with that since President Trump got elected is that uh, they have a moral character section that you have to fill out in the process. And these questions are just fucking unreal. Unreal. So I'm going to read off most of them to you because it's 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 mind-boggling that this is what they ask you and they're all yes or no questions just so you know. And sometimes, if you hit yes, it'll be like, okay, be specific. And then you just have to fill in the blanks. Anyway, here we go. The first question they ask you is, do you owe or have you ever not filed your taxes? Off to a bad start, because I was irresponsible and I haven't done that in at least two or three years. Yikes. Don't know if I owe. Sorry. Sorry, government. I, I apologize. Please be Forgive me. Um, second question. Have you ever been declared legally incompetent or confined to a mental, mental institute, institution? Uh, yeah. What the fuck? No, I, ha I haven't. Thanks for asking. Ah, third question. Here we go. Have you ever been a member of, involved in, or in any way associated with any organized association, fund, foundation, party, club, society, or similar group in the U.S. or in any other location. What the fuck does that mean? I am so confused by that question. I don't know if I should hit yes or no. But when you hit yes, it goes, what group are you in and what is your group's purpose? And I'm not comfortable answering that because I don't know what my group is. I don't know what that really fucking means. But I'm pretty sure that there are I mean, it says society. Have you been associated with any society or similar thing in the U.S. or in any other location? Yes. So what do I do? Put society and then in the U.S. 
under the... That, what the fuck? So weird. All right, moving on. Anyway, here we go. Have you ever been a member of or in any way associated with, either directly or indirectly, with the Communist Party or a totalitarian party or even a terrorist organization? Hmm. Do I click yes or do I click no? Uh, geez. Uh, nope. Never been a part of any of that stuff because I've lived in the United States since I was four years old. I was raised by you, the glorious empire. Have you ever advocated, either directly or indirectly, the overthrow of any government by force or violence? Uh, is this like a recruit? Are they trying to recruit people or are they trying to figure out who's bad and who's good? I don't understand what's going on. Oh, here we go. Here's a good question to ask immigrants in America. Have you ever persecuted only one person because of race, religion, national origin, membership, in a particular social group or political opinion? No, I haven't. But you know who has? Probably a good percentage of the American population, which I'm not speaking negatively of them. I'm just saying that if I have to take this test to get into the country, I think the people that have been here already should also take this test. Maybe like when you're like 18 or, you know, 25, you just you got to take this test because, you know, it's, it's not okay to be a murderer or a rapist or a piece of shit just because you were born here, right? I think we can all agree on that. Here we go. Now it's, now it's really picking up steam. Uh, were you ever in any way involved with a genocide? Torture or killing someone or trying to? Uh, why would you ask that? <laughs> Have you ever hurt someone on purpose? Nope. Were you ever involved in any way with forcing or trying to force someone to have any kind of sexual contact or relations? Nope. Even if I did, wouldn't fuck click yes on it. Why would you, why would you self-incriminate on the, on the government's immigration website while you're trying to ask them for citizenship? Why? can't believe they're asking it to begin with, but I'm sure that there's some people out there who don't speak English well enough or read English well enough that they're going to fuck up major on those questions, and you're going to end up on some weird list and disappear or something. I don't know why this seems okay to... I guess only immigrants are filling that stuff out, so normal people don't know, so maybe that's why they get away with it, but who, who knows uh, what the real reasons are behind it. I'm just going to say right now that I respect the U.S. government, and I appreciate everything they've ever done for me, and I'm not talking badly about them at all. I'm just observing, okay? Entertaining thoughts. This is an entertainment thing. Just asking questions, being curious. You know, free thinker. Education system promotes it. Anyway, were you ever involved in any way with not letting someone practice his or her religion? Also, no. Nope. Don't care what your religion is, as long as you don't try to enforce it on me, I'm not going to enforce you to believe otherwise. All good. Were you ever a member, or did you ever serve in help or otherwise participate in a vigilante unit? Dude, did he watch Mexican Joker South Park episode, and now he's trying to find, like, the Mexican Batman to fight the maybe oncoming? Dude, why, why would you? Okay, first of all, if you're out there and you have participated or been involved with or are a vigilante, 
please message me. Go to my Instagram, send me a message. Let's fucking chat. I got some questions because why would they ask you that? Who does he does he think that this is this is a legit question to ask people? Especially, okay, this is okay. So maybe he's just really into like movies right now because there's that question, and the second question is, were you ever a member of a rebel group? Hmm. Star Wars is coming out. Uh, here's here's another great one that uh, makes no fucking sense to me. Did you ever recruit, enlist, conscript, or use any person 15 years or younger to serve in or help an armed forces or a group? No. Actually, they were all 16, which makes it okay, apparently. <laughs> I don't have to answer. Yes, because th that kid was 16 years old. No, of course not. What the fuck? You can't even buy a gun unless you're 18 years old in this country. You, you, why? Why? 15. Is this like a big thing in other countries? Are they... Okay, maybe I'm being insensitive. Not sure. But I don't know. To be... To ask that to like a, a permanent resident, like someone who lives here? That's kind of weird, right? 15 years old? Why wouldn't it just say 18? Like... 18 or younger, because that encompasses everything that is illegal, right? Anyway, maybe it's just me. Uh, have you ever used anyone, person 15 or younger, to do anything that supported people in combat? Why are you asking that twice? I already said no. Part two of this, okay? This is where it gets more and more intense. Have you ever committed assisted or attempted to commit a crime or offense for which you were not arrested for. You want to tell us about the time that you attempted to do a crime and no one found out about it? <laughs> Dude, I wonder how many people fall for these, these traps that they're probably setting in these questions. Have you ever been arrested, cited, detained for any reason? Wouldn't I have answered that in the first question? Are you going to ask it again? Have you ever been charged for a crime? Of course you're going to ask it again. That's the third question there. The fourth one. Have you ever been placed in, al <laughs> in alternative sentencing or a rehabilitation program? Next question. Suspended sentence, parole, or probation. Have you ever had those? No. Have you ever been to jail or prison? Also, no. Oh, here we go. This is a good one. Have you ever been a drunkard, prostitute, or procured prostitution, smuggled drugs, or controlled substances into the country, or sold and distributed sex drugs in the country? Wow. If you answer yes to that, how, how are you... How are you... How are you living, huh? Like, how, how are you living if you answer yes to that question? And I imagine you get immediately arrested, right? The government knows all your bad deeds now because you just told them on a yes or no questionnaire on their website. It's fucking nuts. Uh, let's see. Have you ever helped anyone enter the states illegally or know of any illegal people but don't report it? No, absolutely not. Have you ever illegally gambled or received money from it? 
Nope. Have you ever been deported? Not, nope, I haven't. Still here. Still here. I don't know if I will be once this comes out, but uh, you know what? I'm just being myself and questioning things, not trying to be a dick. I am being a dick, but I'm not trying to be. Do you support the Constitution? Yes, I do. Hey, American government, do you support the Constitution? Do you? Are you willing to take the full oath of allegiance to the United States? Sure, I would, no problem. No problem. If forced, are you willing to bear arms on behalf of the United States? No, I am not. Sorry. It is against my beliefs to kill people. I don't care if my life's in danger or whatever. As sitting here right now in this moment, no. I will not kill another person, not for an invisible boundary in the sand, not so I can live here. I will do whatever I have to do to participate and help out any other way I can. Won't kill people, though. Not going to use guns. Not for me. No, thank you. Yeah, so those are the questions that stuck out to me. And so I answered them honestly. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what the overlords think. And uh, maybe here in about a year or so after they... Because I have a friend who just processed his nine months ago, and he still hasn't heard back from them, so it's going to be a fucking while. It's going to be a while. But we'll see. Maybe I'll be a citizen here soon. And then I'll be a dual citizen, a citizen of the world, Brazil and U.S. What up? Making me an international comedian. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't performed comedy outside of the United States. All right, part two of this week. Uh, throw up lady. Okay, I'm a server, right? I work at a restaurant comedy club and I won't say which one because I work at two but I was I was at work and these people just sat down as a group of like five or six of them and this lady came in and she was intoxicated the rest of her group was fine but this one lady was intoxicated and I was just standing by the wall just kind of as a server you just kind of watch and you see them read over the menu and then when they put the menus down and they start talking generally they're ready to, to, to order something so I walk over so that's what I'm doing. And as I'm doing that, this lady sitting in the very front row of this aisle, she pukes onto our floor, which is carpet. And then she picks up her chair and just moves it over the puke so that way no one will see it directly out in the middle of the aisle, okay? Which is weird thing number one, right? Which I get it. You're embarrassed. I get it, okay? So I walk over and, you know, politely, I'm not trying to... Be obvious about it but I was like hey can I get you some water some coffee she was like water and then I took her friend's drink orders because I needed to make money and they seemed fine so I took their friends her friend's drink orders and I go back to grab the drinks and come back and as I come back she has puked into her water cup oh yes she has and it was a full water cup too so it was overflowing and it was all over the table and so they asked me if I could remove it and I said sure so I went to go grab a sanitized rag and I came back and I picked it up and I walked into the kitchen holding it as far away from my fucking face as I could because it was disgusting, and I was trying not to throw up. Then I go back out there to clean the table, and when I go back out there, she has puked into her lap, and she covers it up with her sweatshirt and continues to watch the show like nothing is happening. Hands down, one of the easiest, most interesting, just 
observations I've ever made about another human being because I've done a lot of stuff in my life. You could name the drug. I've probably fucking done it, okay? I've gotten fucked up in my life. I've never, ever been so fu- I'm talking about, like, heroin. I'm talking about meth. I'm talking about pills. I'm, I've done that stuff. I'm happy to say that I am three years clean from meth and five years clean from heroin, so don't freak out, okay? Don't, don't back off now. It's all good. Daddy's got this. I made it. Fine. Cool with just a beer and some weed. A nice buzz is all I need. I know my edge, and I don't go over it, okay? I live on that fucking thin line, and that's where I like it, baby. But hey, like I said, been really fucked up in life. Never been so fucked up that I'm in a social situation where I make a mess of myself, and I don't take care of it. Get up. Don't ask for help. Weird thing, too, her friends didn't say a goddamn thing the entire time. They just pretended like nothing was happening until she tried to get up and stumbled. And then her friend was like, I guess I'll drive you home. What the fuck? That's not a fr- Those aren't your friends, right? How funny would it be if they weren't? That she was just kind of like a tag along. Some girl invited her and the rest of the group didn't like her. And they're like, yeah, fuck this bitch. We're not even going to help her. I don't know what happened there, but it was so fucking nuts, and I had to clean it all up. So I was, I was intrigued but mad. I was very, very mad. Uh, people like that should just stay home. If you, it's seven, it was a 7 o'clock show, 7 p.m. on a Friday. Like you were that desperate to get that fucked up before 7 o'clock. Like, dude, just stay home. Just have a good night in. Puke in your own goddamn bathroom. How about that? All right. And uh, another serving thing, it was last night, I, uh, I was seating people at the comedy club, and it was kind of a lighter night, so I was trying to be nice. And I told this couple, it was a gentleman wearing a Harley Davidson shirt with a big old bearded goatee thing, and this little lady who was, who was super nice to me, and I just said, hey, folks, it's kind of light tonight. You can be a little bit more picky than usual. Pick your spot wherever you want, you know, in this area. And he goes, well, what about up there? And I was like, we're not seeing that because it's not going to be a lot of people, so we need to fill this space first. And then he goes, well, well, how about a booth? And I was like, oh, sorry, man, the booths are, you know, for four people or more. And he goes, asshole. Like, under his breath, though, I I heard it. I fucking heard it. And I was like, wow, dude. You know, in my head, I'm like, I was trying to be nice. And then he's like, oh, can we sit at the bar top then? I was like, dude, wherever the fuck you want, all right? At this point, you call me an asshole. I'm trying to be nice. Go, go do whatever you want. I'll let the door guys deal with it. So I go back in the kitchen, and I mean, I was, it was just so slow that I had nothing to do, so I was going out and helping, and I told the manager, I was like, yeah, this guy just called me an asshole, and I went out there, and I was like, ah, I shouldn't be out here. I have nothing to do out here. You know, why the fuck am I going to stand around and just take this shit? And then she's like, I'll kick him out. I'll fucking kick him out right now if he called you a fucking asshole, which I appreciate so much as a manager. Because most of the time, they're like, yeah, you're an asshole, you know, but she was like, I, I got you. I got, you know, I got you. So appreciate her. Shout out to my manager. I won't say her fucking name. Not giving away where I work. Shout out to her for being the realist. But then, <laughs> maybe like 15 minutes later, I walk out there again for the first time, and there's a couple of two people sitting in a booth, and the guy's just staring from up on the second, you know, on the bar top thing. And then I go back in, and I just tell her, like, wow, okay, well, I mean, I hope two people show up, because if not, then, yeah, I fucking for sure am an asshole. And then I was... Now I'm not justified in talking shit. Imagine if we'd kick that guy out. <laughs> oh, man. All right, that's been this week. Next thing that we're going to do is quotes. 
I got one, two, three, four quotes that I'm going to go through of different philosophers, different literary idols of mine, people who I just, uh, you know, I just can't, I can't stress enough how much their words have meant to me as a person. Um, so here we go. You are a you are a separate event and you run from the maternity ward to the crematorium and that's it baby that's it now why does anybody think that way there's no reason to because it isn't even scientific it's just a myth and it's invented by people who wanted to feel a certain way they want to play a certain game the game of God got, got embarrassing. The, the idea of God as the potter, the architect of the universe, is, is, is good. It makes you feel that life is, after all, important. There is someone who cares. It has meaning. It has sense. And you are valuable in the eyes of the Father. But after a while, it gets embarrassing. You realize that everything you do is being watched by God. He knows your tiniest, inmost feelings and thoughts, and you say after a while, quit bugging me. <laughs> I don't want you around. So you become an atheist, just to get rid of it. Then, then you feel terrible after that, because you got rid of God, but that means you got rid of yourself. You're just nothing but a machine. And your idea that you're a machine is just a machine too. When I 